is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Happy Monday, everybody. Real Kipper and Born. Almost the same cast of characters here. Derek Brandeo on tech. JB. Mm-hmm. Yours truly. Yep. No Sammy. Sammy, our trusted producers, still on vacation. Yeah, I'm looking at a 9.56 a.m. text, and he's holding a yingling on the golf course. That's, See, that's not right. It's not. But we do have J.R. Manitad in replacing um, Cam, right? No. <laughs> Who's our producer on Friday? Oh, See, show. Show, show L.E. Show L.E. <laughs> so J.R. is replacing show who was supposed to replace Sammy. See, I've lost track. Yeah, this is how you end up with, like, Kirill Semyonov as your center. It's uh, still valuable contributor. Just need to give it uh, an opportunity before long. They'd be taking Sammy's spot. And I think Sammy's watching for sure on YouTube right now. Lying yourself or the public? Sammy, no more tweets. You drinking a beer, okay? We're not any more interested in that than Elliot Friedman shoveling, okay? <laughs> Don't give a crap. Send us your scorecard. You want to impress us? 80 or under. Also, in the AM hours, you're supposed to drink light seltzers, like perhaps a grilled pineapple and rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> we got to work on little Buddha going down to Florida. Saturday night, Canucks score three to come back and beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs go scoreless in the third all Saturday night. Did JB is... Uh, Present us with more questions. Yeah, turn the temperature than, up. Than any answers. Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. It, um, nothing solved. Same problems. Maybe even some new problems. I mean, the team overall was okay. Um, do you want to wait to get in it? Maybe set the stage for the show and then we can dig? Or should I just start digging? <laughs> just go, man. Just, just go. I mean, Jack Campbell's a story, right? That, that, that feels like everything I see on Twitter. I was on the morning show. That's what we talked about. Everyone wants to know. Goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. How are they going to fix the goaltending? It is quite remarkable, the drop-off, and I will not shy away from that. And we had had conversations almost from day one on Jack Campbell and whether or not he is capable, whether or not we worry about he's never done it before, never had the pressure of being a number one guy. We go through the first 37 games. His numbers are off the charts. Yeah which gets us, of course, into conversations of his contract. Where, where does it go? Where do the Leafs need to be? It, it played out, completely played out. But it was always with that, if he doesn't fall off the face of the earth, did we expect his game to fall off? As dramatically no. as it did, and I'm the first one to say, "No, nah, I never, uh, I never saw at it worst, coming." Maybe regressing to an average goalie or something. I mean, he's been flat out bad now for a stretch. It is. I watch again Saturday night, and it's just for me, JB, it's just too easy right now to Talk say. through him or? Oh, for no, a solution. No, just okay, to sorry. say it's, it's a goaltending problem. Yeah. And I'm not taking that away, and I'm not certainly saying that it's not an issue or a major issue, but I see oil being leaked a lot more than just Jack Campbell mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, I do And is too. it fair? Is it fair just for, to wake up and Leaf Nation to point the finger at Jack and say, eh, the issues are all you? I guess the frustration I have, Kipper, is that it feels like there's, you know, all these issues of the team and they want people like you and I to take the blame pin and stick it on one thing and be like... I think that's what's happening right now. I do too. And it's there's no blame pin. There's a percentage... Of, of issues right now and, and to just distribute the losses to. And yeah, Campbell deserves a portion of that. Mrazek deserves some for his losses. Um, and frankly, probably the biggest portion does go to those guys, goes to Campbell first and foremost. However, he's not gotten the, the run support, as you would say, and I don't mean in terms of pure offense, but just the play in front of him and around him has not been up to standards either. So you don't lose to Buffalo 5-1, to one, 
you know, and lose to Montreal and then lose to Vancouver and say, well, if we had goaltending, we win those games. Look, the, the Leafs were fine, but obviously there's more issues which we're going to get into here. Um, do you want to hear what Sheldon had to say? Yeah, let me just, uh, I'll just tee up uh, Jim Ralph later on yep. uh, this hour uh, to help us obviously get ready for tonight's game against Columbus, which leads to our second guest in the second hour, a general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, Yarmo uh, Kekalainen, will join us as well. Talk about many things, including, of course, the trade deadline, Rick Nash, uh, Jersey retirement on the weekend. They did an extraordinary job, which is great to see that organization uh, celebrate one of their own. And you have some interesting stats on the Blue Jackets. And we'll get into that with Yarmo uh, a little later on in the show. As well, I want to get into uh, later on in the show uh, the offside call where Anaheim... Won the game last night. They're the lack of too many men call. Yes. Yes. They got, did they get away with one? Are they cheating? Uh, I, I think where there's an interesting conversation there as well. I want to get into a goaltenders delay a game by knocking the net off. Did you see Mike Smith uh, pull that off on uh, Saturday yes. versus Montreal? Yeah. And then we saw one as well in Toronto with Demko. On the on the Austin Matthews attempt at a Michigan. Oh yeah! Did you see that one? I didn't notice that. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So plenty to get into, but let's go back to what you were uh, just mentioned. Sheldon keeps comments on the goaltending and how he sees the situation he's in, particularly with his number one guy in Jack Campbell. You know, on some of the times where we did have. Uh... Some breakdowns early in that first period. I thought he looked strong. He made some saves for us. You know, I look at I think the first and fifth goal. I don't think there's a whole lot he can do there. Um, we got to do a better job uh, in front of him in those in those instances. You know, and then there's three that are, you know, what tips are right around the crease, and those are, you know, we we need him to try to find one of those for us, one or two of those for us. But you know, we. <clears throat> I guess I, I would say that uh, I thought he looked comfortable in the net, and, but we've got to do a better job of not letting those pucks uh, hang around and those tips and stuff like that because you know, I don't, I know the first or fifth goal, I get by them pretty clean, but those are the ones that to me are on, on our team and how we played in front of them, and then the others, I mean, they didn't even shoot them in the net. They're just kind of squeaking through. I got a tug of war there a little bit yeah. out of Sheldon where – he wants to protect him, but he wants to try to hold him, uh, you know, his feet to the fire a little bit too. Right. So it's like, yeah, could have used a save on one or two. One or two is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's one not or like two a, a little game. mention. You're talking Vesna or out of the league, one or two <laughs> a game. I think he's really worried about where he is mentally to get himself out of this. And I think there's a part of him that really wants to – Give it to him, and a part of him that says, "I gotta, I gotta find a way to protect him." Yeah, you know, Sheldon Keefe is—he's not a guy who really gives it to a lot of guys, is he? Like, he doesn't feel like we heard today. Minnesota's coach Dean Evason had those, their team battling for the face-off uh, dot today, just like going toe-to-toe gladiator style. You know, if you're not going to battle in games, battle in practice. Really old school. That is old school. Keefe ain't that. You know, he's not going to be the guy to, to do those sort of things. So you're right. I, I do hear him going back and forth. What did you make of the stuff about clearing out the front of the net and all that? Because that's what it looks like to me is it feels like everything that gets to the net right now has changed direction. Not, there's no clear lane. Everything is through traffic, through the trees, and is ticked off. So plinkoed its way to the net. Okay. Do you remember our conversation towards the latter part of last week when, Sheldon, we played a clip and it was... He was talking about his offense, mm-hmm. and you said, I like that. And I said, no, I hated that. Yeah. I, I, I think he needs to just speak of defense only. Starting to happen now. Choice do you have? I give up five or six to the Canucks, I guess. It has to be all about being on the right side of the puck. Yeah. And this, to me, you want to help Jack or Peter Mrazek and you have to find a way to keep the puck out of your net. That has to be the only, only focus from here on in. 
Yeah. You know, I, the pushback to that I see is that they're, again, which I said last week, the, goal, the offense is dried up in the playoffs. But listen, right now you're dead on. I mean, five of the last eight games, the Leafs have given up five goals or more. You know, they've given up at least three goals in seven of the last eight games. Like, pucks are going in. You know, right now the difference between Campbell making saves and not is he just can't squeeze it. You know, the old freeze rate we talked about, he's he's dropping in that in the standings or in the How league. How badly for, do you know? Well, he's not it's not that he's dropping places. He had such a high league or lead on everyone else, but he, it, it's tightening up. Everyone is catching him in terms of like he's not catching as many pucks and you see that on the 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 goal where Lilligren is standing beside is it JT Miller who shoots in the first one? You know, the, a week before that, we saw Lilligren standing beside a guy, but again, both were bad rebounds by Campbell, but this is the point Keith is making. Yeah, w- w- he he can do more, but we have to help him out. We got to clear pucks out. I think TJ Brody was standing beside two guys that tip pucks in. So, you know, there's an element that this is, Campbell hasn't been great, but he's not getting help either. And when you have a guy who's struggling, the best thing you can do for him is clear those lanes and let him see some shots. Let's hear from Sheldon Keefe on team defense. And I don't think uh, offense is mentioned in this you, one. It's not. <laughs> I don't think we gave up very much. We absolutely have to do a better job uh, on our own end, uh, you know, with pucks coming to our net. That was really the source of, of uh, their offense tonight. You know, they just got the puck to the top and, and, and uh, threw it at the net. Um, you know, normally when that's the case, it, it, you know, it's hard for the other team to score. And we didn't do a good enough job uh, today with tying up sticks and clearing out lanes and letting the goalie just see those pucks. Um, but I thought we defended well to just really pretty much limit them to those type of looks. Um, you know, that's, that's what we've been asking our team to do. We've got to do a better job on it. We need to block more shots. We need to, you know, tie up sticks and push people out of the way. Those are all things we need to do better. That's an area I think where you can see we're really missing Muzz. You know, he's the best guy we have in that area of the game. Uh, but uh, the guys that we have in have got to do a better job of that. Of that. But aside from that, I liked a lot about our game today. Get down 3-1, push back, get control of the game. It was a pretty dominant second period for us. And now we know Jake Muzzin has not had a stellar year, but it is abundantly clear that they don't have anyone close to him no in front of the, the net. The net front. It's, it's just open season. What's interesting is, so he talked about them only giving those low to high opportunities because they actually, you know, they're 29th in the league and odd man rushes against. They only give up two that whole night. So they defended well until they're in their own end. They go low to high. Yeah. And then anyone who wants to stand in front of the crease can just live there. I, 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 don't, I don't get that. That's good defending. Well, we limit it to those type of looks. Can I tell you something? If you're giving me that look all night, I don't need a second look anywhere else. I mean, you're going to count on that one from Hamannick going in from the out by the boards and the blue I line? like the percentages of my points being open and then crashing to the net yeah. and eventually getting one through. Well, but, yeah. So if you're a coach, I mean, though, you want, to, you want to live with that and trust your D to take away the people in front. Do you not? Yeah. Uh, who are you trusting? Lily. Lilligren. <laughs> and... no. Well, Riley's not, it's not his forte. Hall's not a big bruiser. So then, Brody then is I, positionally sound. Then, usually can then box I, out. Then I love that look even more against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. yeah. And if you're giving me the points all day long, if you're going to collapse five guys below the hash marks and give up the point shot where they can go D to D and back sometimes again and then stretch everybody out, mm-hmm. then your odds of getting pucks to the net increased dramatically yeah and he's like tie up sticks tie up sticks how about just pushing somebody out of the way Mm -hmm. they don't have that d so when you're not big and strong like the leafs d and someone is going to go to the net you have to set that sort of box that like set the screen early because once they're there they're there like, you're not going to see the guys we're talking about, like, physically move them from that spot. They have to stop them from getting there in the first place because, as I said, they're not going to move them. So, yeah, it's not – and, you know, Labushkin's been good. I don't know. You th- it, to me, this is a guy that, like, okay, third exactly. pair, right D, don't even talk yeah. about it again. Yeah. You, you know, he's not going to be perfect, but he can play that role beautifully. And that's, again, when we talk about those type of fillers that you can go out in the trade deadline and find, mm-hmm. they're not 
game changers. Right. They're just holding their own. Yeah. And that's where people's expectations got to, you got to truly understand what you think is out there. They're shingles on the garage, but the garage is built. <laughs> you know, it's like they're a little bit of help. That's right. Yeah. So what's out there from here? What are we, two weeks today, JB? Yeah. Trade deadline. I think we're going to have a three-hour show that day and start at 2 p.m., if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> if I had to guess. I haven't heard no. from our bosses, but if I had to guess. No. You don't think so? I don't. <laughs> Just leave me alone until we'll three. Money. <laughs> Just leave me alone until three. Then Fair it's, enough. Three's over. That's right. Yeah, we just wait for certain trades to be announced, but then it's done. Don't want to step on Will Lou's toes. No, no, no. Um, We're so just going to that... watch Elliot and Jeff Merrick break all the trades first, and we just sit back and relax. Sounds awesome. I'm in. Um, one of the th- positions that is going to be highly discussed, and our own Rory Boylan wrote something today on Sportsnet.ca about goaltenders. You know, that's going to be a thing, goaltenders. And I've heard, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, would he come to Toronto? You mentioned... Uh, that that's likely not to happen. Mike well, Marketing I Fleury think is likely was, not going anywhere. I think Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun uh, spoke that uh, right now the, the the thinking is he doesn't want to go anywhere. Yeah. Which I don't necessarily buy. Yeah, you think you would? I no. What I think personally, what's happening here is that you're starting to hear some posturing. Yeah. Okay, so he's yes. trying to like improve his lot after that. I don't, yeah, I, I think it's probably just one one place he'd want to go. Okay, so he's saying I won't go, but if you bring me, so you what's hear, the place? You, you hear, you hear, <laughs> Are we allowed to you, do that? You hear of Edmonton, you hear of Washington. He's going, I'm again, no. Yeah, I think he's kind of saying uh, maybe I'll consider Colorado. How's that? Right. You get me to the Avs where I have a legitimate chance to win a Stanley All Cup. All of a sudden, maybe I'll... Yeah. I'll think about uh, spending the rest of the season in a hotel. Right. Because, you know, so. I don't know that, so not coming here. And I don't even know if you would want him here, quite frankly. Okay. I've... Everybody's sitting there going, well, now the Leafs need a goaltender. Okay. Stop it. Thank you. Just stop. I agree. That talk because this is Kyle Dubas who had one of the worst playoff losses in franchise history as far as I'm concerned. Against the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, yeah. Try to argue that. Can't. And what did he do? He doubled down on his team. Yeah. You're not doubling down right now on Peter Mrazek and Jack Campbell? Or you, and for who? He, you think Kyle Dubas is a guy that's going to bail on that 50-plus games? Yeah. Now he's going to go to plan B on his goaltending because that didn't work? That's not Kyle Dubas. No. And, you know, Campbell's been playing terribly for a long run of time. He has proven over a decade in the league that he's not a terrible goaltender. You know, maybe at worst you want to call him average. I think he's above average uh, when he, you know, a true talent goaltender. You're going to get a run of play out of this guy where he comes back to that guy. It is going to come back. He has not become morphed into a different human being here. So a little patience. If you ask me tonight, tonight a playoff series is starting. They're playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, do you want to go with, I don't know, who's an available goaltender on the market out there? Do you want to go with the best available one or Jack Campbell? I'd be torn. Even Marc-Andre Fleury or Jack Campbell, I don't know. But the acquisition cost of bringing in a guy like Fleury or whoever it may be, you're going to spend your first on that rather than on defense? Not a chance. That doesn't help your team. Here, Leaf Nation is the number one reason why Kyle Dubas will not even think about trading for a goaltender. You know, I've been pretty hard on myself this year, and obviously it snowballed a little bit. And, you know, trying to uh, chill out a little bit about dissecting my game, and, you know, I'm going to be looking at it not happy with giving up any goals ever. So, you know, it's not acceptable, but trying to just uh, let it roll off a little bit easier now. And I know I, I got better for the team, and it's disappointing not getting the win when we played so well. But, you know, I appreciate the fans still supporting me and the team, and, you know, I promise I'll get out of it and get on a roll again. You there prom- it is. He promised. He promised. Yeah, just move on. <laughs> he promised. So if that's all promise. You can't double stamp a triple stamp. Triple stamp a Come double on. stamp. Kyle's feeling great. It's 
he had a promise. I think I know a little bit about promises and guarantees. You know, I promise I'll get out of it and get on a roll again. I lived there through a Mark Messier guarantee. That's right. Hat trick. That's right. In New Jersey, conference final. How is this promise and Mark's guarantee any different? Do you want an actual answer to that? They seem significantly different. <laughs> <laughs> I think the players' history in the league at about? the time are slightly different. What is different. the difference between a promise and a guarantee? I mean, I feel like you have to know how to get to the other side before you can promise a way there, do you not? <laughs> Mess had been there a few times. I don't know. I like the promise. Well, it's like he promised. <laughs> you know, it's it's a funny thing to say, but it's endearing because it's him, and he makes you feel like he's your child, and he's like, ah, well, he promised. It's I do believe, though, that it's going to come around again. You're not going to see 890 Campbell for the rest of the year. And Dubas is listening, going, ah, fingers crossed. I got to think. I got to think you're right. Right. He's going to find some happy medium between his first 35 games and what he is today. Yeah. Do you agree? Do you agree with going back to Mrazic tonight? Yeah. I just, they play seven times in the next 13 days. You know, I don't know how much of Campbell's play could be tired or workload or pressure or whatever, but what are you going to do? Just pound Campbell into the dust right now? Like, I, I think you, they just need to, to balance the workload here. It's why they have these two goaltenders. Give them both some games. Let them practice with Briere when they're not in and try to figure themselves out because they got some figuring to do. What are your thoughts on uh, the, the thing he said? We didn't play that quote, but the, where he says, it's going to be a fun second half or a fun back <laughs> half of the year or something yeah. like that. Like the team is really built on like this sort of positivity and good naturedness and they want to have that good culture, right? They do. And choice of words of fun wouldn't have come into my vocabulary to yeah. describe the current situation. I get the, and I'm, you know, I'm tongue in cheek on, on the promise, <clears throat> of course, as you know, yes. but Right now, fun, they do have fun. You can see, they, they speak of it. Mm-hmm. And they appear at least off the ice or how they speak of each other as a team that cares and is fairly close. Yeah. The one issue I have with them on the ice is they don't look close. And I don't think that they're a team that hold each other accountable enough for me. Yeah. And that to me is when you're a really close team, when somebody could grab somebody in that room and say, this isn't getting it done and we need, we need to change it and we need to change it now. Yeah. So if you speak of leadership, that's what you hope some guys are doing in that room. I, I just don't feel it, and we and we don't see it on the ice, do we? No. Do like, you? Ter- no, in terms of standing up for each other after someone takes a shot. I just can't get Something. that play where uh, Brown ran a guy, or Lomberg on Florida, and had to fight two guys before Lomberg even got off the, off the ice. So I think that's what you're referring to partially. Yes. But, like, you know, uh, there are times in people's lives where, you know, they're going through the gutter. And everyone, you know, it's going to be all right. You'll get through it. And their best friends in the whole world will say, here's why your life's in the gutter. You're not taking care of yourselves. It's the people who are your closest with who can tell you the truth and hold you accountable. I, I just wish this team would show more emotion. Yeah. And, and they don't. And Kyle spoke of it last week with the Buffalo loss, that he was disappointed that they didn't show more push or more fire or more emotion. Yeah. I don't think he got into specifics, but just the mere fact that he said disappointed in the way the game ended mm-hmm. is all you need to know. Right. And just off air, you know, you mentioned um, a game against Chicago, which which brought back memories of of seeing more emotion out of the Leafs. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned on the morning show this morning uh, with uh, JD and Blake and Justin Cuthbert that I do think eventually – the captaincy of this Toronto Maple Leafs team is Austin Matthews. You know, it, it just feels to me like the arc of Tavares' career, he's not going to become a more impactful player, still, still can be a useful one, but the arc of it is to go, you know, into slow decline, as we all do as we get older, and Austin Matthews is ascendant, he's Rocket Richard winner, he's the face of the franchise, he's a good speaker. Eventually, 
this team goes as he goes, he should wear the C. You can't tell me the Toronto Maple Leafs don't want to wear, don't want to sell number 34 with a C on the chest at some point. Okay, hold on. What you're saying is like you're you're making a pretty big call right now. I'm I'm I So Okay. You you So you, I am. You just you just gave the captaincy to Austin Matthews, but you've you've stripped the captaincy from John Tavares. So tell me why you're taking the C off of him right now. Well, it, to me, it wouldn't be a, uh, I know it would be a demotion, but it wouldn't be about Tavares. It'd be about Matthews, about what he's no done sirree. and means for his franchise. No, sirree. Well, I mean, no. I think it's clear. No, you, what don't, I, you don't get, you don't, you don't get that. You, we I, do I, not you agree. Know, I, I love you, yeah. but you, you cannot, you cannot think about putting a C on Austin Matthews until you've explained to me why it's coming off a veteran like John Tavares. Well, two reasons then. I think decline matters. I don't think you can be Andrew Ference with the Edmonton Oilers and be the seventh D and still come in the room and say, here's what we need to do. And everyone's like, all right, you know, I respect you and and all that. But I think when the chips are down, everyone's going to look to Austin. Are we scoring? How are we doing? I think he's going to be the voice that matters most to this Maple Leafs team and to the fans. And it's not about giving it to the best player necessarily, but the person who has that impact on the people around him. And I think it, it, it is now Matthews, and I think it will be Matthews. And I think part of the reason it wasn't in the first place was the timing of when the C was awarded. Remember, Matthews had gone through the incident where I think he mooned an officer at two in the morning drinking with some buddies in the summer. And it, you know, it was a maturity thing then. I think we're going to get past that. I think we're probably past that. And I think, I just think he's the face of this franchise. So part of it too, Kipper, though, is like, what we're talking about right now is no one's grabbing anyone by the scruff. But John Tavares is the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. If anyone has the right to grab anybody in that room, I would think it would be him. And do you see him doing it? No. So there, there's your argument right there. Well, and that is part of it. And so you mentioned uh, earlier this season, you know, I, I see Austin Matthews as someone who get, can get frustrated with, with the guys on his team. So I'm thinking a game eight against Chicago, they're two, four and one, the season's going sideways and he can't get a pass from Justin Hall. And he's going, he's got to move that puck up faster to me. And he's giving it to Hall on the bench saying, let's go. Like you can see losing is not going to work for him. And there's that frustration with your teammates that I see it happening from Connor McDavid, the captain of the Oilers, who's starting to get frustrated that they can't win more. I see uh, Nathan McKinnon, who is having great success but hasn't won a cup yet. I see him fighting, getting angry that they haven't won. It feels like Matthews is the guy to get this team to where they need to be. We watched every game this year. Yes. I haven't seen Austin Matthews that animated or that emotional with any, anybody since no, that, I know. that game. And it is that, in fairness, it's not a perfect solution. He He's not this aggressive guy who goes at uh, his teammates enough for See, me. I'm okay with this conversation because it doesn't just point a finger at Jack Campbell anymore. We're talking about a few things that are concerning about this Toronto Maple Leaf team. You've just brought up leadership. I'm, I can't argue that. Yeah. I mean, it's an did, issue. You, did you play with people no, in no your one. dressing room who would grab guys on your own oh team gosh. and I, say, hey, <laughs> we need better from you? If I had a nickel every time Mark Messier grabbed Esatikinen <laughs> off the ground yeah. and seeing his feet dangle like this, <laughs> I'd right. be a rich guy. I don't see that. And it's, listen, Matthews is all world. And Tavares is, has had an unbelievable career. But it's tough for me to look at this team and feel like there's that internal push. You know, we talked about Sheldon's not a guy that really benches guys, scratches them. You talked about accountability. It's tough to see that from this team. And I'm an outsider looking in, but I, you know, hear things and hear about demeanor and watch every single game and all the interviews. I don't know. I can't argue. Yeah. There, there, there is some issues, leadership issues. And again, blown leads up going against Vancouver Canucks, a tired team, end of a road trip kind of team. Yeah. And you can't put them away. And you've scored enough goals. There's a character flaw. So let me ask you, can you bring that into a locker room and have it be meaningful to a team? Can you bring Ryan Getzlaff in and have Ryan Getzlaff hold Willie to the his feet to the fire? I, and I don't think that there's enough time to 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 have an impact 
in this season. There's only 20 you, games you, left by the time you make a deal. You right? want to bring somebody in and change that culture? And I've told you before, I'd rather them say publicly, we don't like each other or, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we, we don't care about each other and, and have better results on the ice than have them now tell everybody how close they are or, or watch these video clips where they're all having a great time and they're laughing and they enjoy each other and they're telling everybody how much they, they care about each other and then show that on the ice. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not jiving. Like hockey is fun. And they wanted to create a fun culture here, and they have. This team is a delight to watch, and they're very good. And I guess the reason this conversation comes up is because they could be very good and never get, you know, where they're trying to go. You could be a team that's the sixth best team in the NHL for five years, and everyone has fun watching them. Or you could be a team that wins a Stanley Cup and is immortalized here in Toronto and is forever remembered. And to me, that's one of those things that there's tons of good teams. They have a great collection of talent. They have a great culture, and it seems very fun to play for the Leafs. You know, workplace culture is, we hear about it more and more today is how important it is that it's a good culture. Sometimes more productive cultures are a little uh, uncomfortable, you know, where you get leaned on a little bit from from people. I I played enough hockey to feel that from people and know what what helped push me along. I've always believed in... The only thing that you can really control out of your player is, as a coach, mm-hmm. is ice time. You want to take away the thing that matters the most to him, it's ice time. Yeah. And we have, I haven't seen that enough. And maybe the accountability should start with Sheldon and, and distributing that. Yeah. So what did you think of uh, of Robertson getting ice time um, without having earned it? Just to, just to kind of finish the, the, the Tavares conversation, yeah. uh, he scored a goal. He did. You, you could see the relief he when he's staring up in the sky. Yeah, 14 without, and long overdue. And he had Nick Robertson on the wing. I said at the uh, end of last week, Nick Robertson's not ready to be a, a top six forward, right? especially on a team that's supposed to contend for a Stanley Cup. Then he scores, and then me and you, we get chirped, I guess, <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Hey, told you, you dummies. Yeah. Not a six, top six guy still. No. no. I mean, it's, it's great incre- that he scored. It's incredible to me. Like, have you watched every other moment of all the games? He and, can shoot it in the net. There's he, no doubt about and he, that. He can score. Yeah. We know that. But I'm watching Nick Robertson. We assume he's going to start there tonight. Yep, I would Maybe assume so. see some... Uh, Second power play, but Tavares, Nylander, and Robertson. I just see a, a line that got smaller. Yeah, you don't see a team. They're a line that's going to be. It's not even a line. I think they intend to use in the playoffs. There's no point in like sugarcoating, sugarcoating the fact that this feels like a chance to give Robertson the opportunity to look good, get some points, get some opportunities, which. As the deadline gets near, it's either good for him or he's more valuable at the trade. Either I think way. there'd be wrong. enough for, for teams to say, yeah, I believe he can score. I'm just not sure where the it didn't rest... Hurt the Leafs that he scored. I, I don't know where the rest of his game is or how long or how far he's away from becoming an everyday NHL player. Do you think it helps him that his brother scored six times in the last two games? People look at him and say, yeah. at 22, maybe he's scoring six times in two games. I do. I do too. Yeah. Because I look at him and I'm like, huh, maybe they shouldn't trade this guy. That's what his brother can do. I, I think uh, every uh, next generation hockey player who has had a, f- uh, a father who played in the NHL, would would get the end, uh, extra benefit of the da- uh, doubt, Definitely. especially at uh, at the trade or at the draft table. Yeah, you just say, hey, genetically, for maybe, sure, maybe there's something here. And Robertson, to his credit, like the thing he's supposed to do well is shoot it in, and he got one really good opportunity and he buried it. Great finish. So great, you know, more value as a trade chip or a little bit of confidence boost for him when he heads back to the American League, presumably in a couple weeks. I don't think he'll. You don't think he'll stick with the roster the rest of the year, do you? I don't know what they're thinking. I can't even begin. I guess got to wait and see what I, happens with I, the bodies. I can't even begin. All I know is they do miss Kasha. Yeah. 
And they also miss Sandine Saturday night. They yes. are better. They're better defense with him in the lineup than they are without him. That's abundantly yeah. clear. Yeah, there's just another couple incidences on that uh, on that net front where you where you looked at 37 but and went, yeah, 38 might have been better. Nick Robertson's. We can we know he can skate, and we know he can shoot, and that is a, a typical fast break Toronto Maple Leaf. Goal. Yeah. Where Tavares, we know he battles. He made an, actually a really good play about six feet into uh, inside the blue line. On the Robertson goal. On the Robertson goal. Yeah. And those guys can fly. Yeah. So I don't know where those goals go in the playoffs, but they're not that many of them, those fast break goals. Yeah. yeah. Lanes close up very quickly. Right. In the first round of the playoffs, and that wouldn't bode well with for Nick Robertson. No, I don't think so either. So I, I do believe that situation for him is great for right now. We'll see it again tonight. Like, this is the perfect spot for him, too. Look at the run of teams they're playing. They got Columbus tonight, Seattle tomorrow. Uh, who is it on Thursday? It's another oh, not awesome team. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But they've got a softer schedule coming up here. So good spot for him. Hopefully he has some success and... You can kind of do what you want with them after that. We got a few minutes before we go to break, but I think, I think as a coaching staff, starting tonight against Columbus, you got to regroup. And I, I don't want to hear any talk about offense. I know you're going to think I got yeah. three heads on my shoulders right now. But, but you just but, think it'll come for them whether they focus on it or not. The, the offense, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it goes back to my conversation I had with you against Detroit, where you're up seven two. I don't give a I don't give a crap what you do. Mm-hmm. We're not giving up any goals. Yeah. And we are shutting it down. And if I catch one guy cheating, you're done. Yeah. And I think that's what has to happen. They have to start thinking our goaltending sucks right now. No matter what happens, we need them to have a good night, even if we're up five. No. No, no, no. We're going to win every game one nothing. Okay. That's the mentality. Yeah. We're going to win one nothing and then we're going to shut them down. But the, enough of the cheating, enough of the stretch passing. There was another stretch pass where the one Lilligren, Lilligren has the puck. I think it was the, uh, it might have even been the game winning goal. The, the Myers? The, yeah, the 5 4 goal. They stretch bunting oh. through the neutral zone. They get Why? caught deep. Why? Goes back the other way with Horvat. Like, manage the clock. So here you are. 4 4, 13 minutes left. And Lilligren doesn't have much around him. And bunting takes off. And Tavares takes off. And it gets to bunting. And then the turnaround right away. And like we, you don't need the stretch pass. See, to me, it's like if Bunting can at least get a piece of it, so it goes in. I, I, I feel like you're, you're setting yourself up for trouble there. Yeah, you really are. the 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 odds are eventually it'll turn on it. Yeah. And I just think until their goaltending stretches out, until you feel more confident that if you if you do take a chance, Campbell will be there to cover it up. But until that happens. You got to think one nothing, 2 one, yeah. and we're shutting the door down, and there's no cheating. I don't want another goal, and we're going to do whatever we can to protect him. Yeah. And, and actually, go ahead. And, and the funny thing is, is if you do get a lead like they've had, and you, you do have that mentality, the other team will start cheating a little bit more, and mm-hmm. you will get those opportunities without seeking them. Yeah. And if you look back at stuff I wrote during the playoffs the last two years, I said the same thing that like short support, little passes, getting inside is the way to do it because the home run plays are not there. The, you know, the, the breakaways don't come as much. They need to be rebuilt. I, I actually compared it to ultimate Frisbee, like, you know, going up the field close together. And I don't know if you play ultimate Frisbee ever in your life, but anyway, yes, I, I, I agree with the idea that the long stretch is not a long-term good solution. All right, I got to read something before we go to break. What do you got? Okay. A story? Yeah, here's a story. Hey, Leafs fans. (laughs) (laughs) We're giving away a pair of tickets March 10th, uh, 
damn it, to the March 10th game against Arizona. <laughs> All you have to do is download Monday or Tuesday's episode of Real Kipper and Born and listen for the different code words that will be placed in the podcast. Then text each code word to 59590 and you will be entered in for a chance to win. Each code word counts as an entry and the winner will be selected on Wednesday. Download those episodes, folks. God. Never thought I'd say this, but I can't wait for Sammy to come I back. I cursed. I had to curse. It was and, so bad. And read those. Thank you for that because I, I don't do contests. That's fine. I just, I've taken that role on. That's fine. Okay. Let's go get Jimmy Ralph. Maybe he'll read our next contest. Yeah. From now on, let's make guests do the reads. Maple Leaf Radio Analyst for Sportsnet 590, the fan, Jim Ralph. After the break, you're listening and watching on YouTube, Real Kipper and Born. The code word for today's episode to text 59590 to qualify for your shot to win Leafs Coyotes tickets on March 10th is bunting. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. confirm there are no rumors that Jim Ralph will step out of the broadcasting booth to become the goaltending coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Don't put words in his mouth. We'll see. No, I can confirm. Oh, you that's, can. Oh, yeah. Okay, that, that, that's bad. not happening. Okay. <laughs> Insider Kipper's back. Let's welcome in Jim Ralph, who despite not being the goaltending coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, will give us some answers on what the heck's going on. Is that true? Kipper, uh, I'm, I'm just on a flight to Columbus, so we're going to have to make this quick. How quick? Well, I, I got to meet with the goalies when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm at, I'm at home. Okay, good. <laughs> you made me nervous there for a second. How are so you? I bet, I bet I made a lot of people nervous. <laughs> good. If good. you yeah. were the coach, and we know they have one in Steve uh, Briere, and he is working hard to dig them out of this. Is it more mental or physical? Oh, mental. I mean, 100%. All of it? Yep. And, and I've, uh, I'm going to throw something at you, whether you want to agree with it or not. Uh, but there are stats to back this up. Uh, there are goalies that do not excel when they've got to compete for ice time. Guys that simply, if you're the number one guy and you have a bad game, you're going back in. And, and I, when I look at Jack Campbell, I, I think it's pretty well documented. He puts a lot of pressure on himself. And now when you put him in a situation where he's got to play well to keep playing, to me that's added pressure. And if you look at his history, uh, Jonathan Quick got hurt in L.A. the year before Campbell came to Toronto. Uh, Campbell had a 2.30 goals against average and a, what was it, 928 save percentage when Quick was hurt. He went on a roll last year when Freddie Anderson was hurt. And if you start to tie in when Morazic was hurt and when Morazic came back, um, you know, the, the numbers and the, the play were different. So, you know, whether whether that's the, the only reason to it or just an added reason, um, I found it pretty interesting. So wow, this, you're, you may be on to something. The solution here is to trade Mrazek to the moon, and then Jack's going to be awesome. You don't even, it doesn't even matter what you get back for him. Do you... yeah, well, you know, <laughs> even even when he first came to Toronto, Freddie was hurt. Remember, Michael Hutchinson had a bad game in, at Madison Square Garden. They traded for Camel, and, and Camel came in and had uh, points in his first four games. He was 3-0-1 yeah. in his first four. Then Freddie came back, and I think he only played a couple of games after that, before COVID shut things down, but um, and and you know, I, I know I make fun of myself a lot, but I did not like having to compete with somebody else yeah. uh, for ice time. When you knew one bad goal, you might have to sit for two games or two weeks or you know three and a half years. The way it worked out, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but but I found it to be more of a distraction. You you felt like you had a little more swagger when you were the guy, and there was no question about it. And and you just sort of wonder if, you know, having that threat of somebody else is going to take your job if you don't play well tonight, you um, can sort of add up. And like I said, especially when a guy uh, like Jack Campbell puts so much pressure on himself. 
Mm-hmm. Where's the line now as a for a goaltender, Ralphie, when it when it comes to taking the share of the blame and then not having it all on your shoulders because we do know that Sheldon is now really focusing on the defensive side of the the puck or the positioning in front of the net or the battles. But how much is on the players now to to be better in front of them? And if it, if it's Jack or even Peter Mrazek, at what point do you go, hey, boys, quit hanging me out to dry here. Uh, it's hard enough getting my game back without you guys ending up both behind my net. Yeah, I, yeah. There's there's a lot to that. Where you know you always say you've, you've got to play well enough in front of somebody to give them a chance to excel. And uh, I think one of the, the Vancouver games probably a great example. Look at the goals scored by both teams. The Leafs were all highlight real goals, and Vancouver's were all you know wrist shots from the point and redirections and rebounds. And um, the, the the Leafs don't score the way they give up goals. I mean, that's, I'm, I don't think I've ever remember a team with such a, a stark contrast right. in, in how they score as opposed to how they give them up. I mean, they went through that stretch where they were giving up a lot off the rush, but uh, they do not score a lot of goals on screens and rebounds and everything else. And how many times have you heard the Leafs lose and players will say they did a good job of keeping us to the outside? Yeah. You know, and, and you're saying, well, then, then why don't you do that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And that's, uh, you know, because they seem to give up a lot, you know, from the hash marks in. Well, and it's actually a point of contention in, like, the analytics community, too, because the Leafs give up the most high, or Campbell has the worst high danger save percentage going back some months. But it seems like it's because guys are shooting from there with room, with time. You know, like, the first goal that went in is a great example of someone standing in the slot, collecting a rebound, shooting it in the net. So can the Leafs defend differently within their skill set and still manage to do that? Because they don't have big bruisers, right? They're not going to, it's not like Roman Polak or Radko Gudis or someone's going to clear guys out from in front of the net, but can they still protect that front of the net given that they're kind of smaller and skilled? Well, you know what, though, Borny, I, I thought they did that in that, that stretch in October, November when they went 15 and two. Yeah. You know, that they, you know, they, they played patient. Um, the defense got all kinds of support. Uh, in the defensive zone from the forwards. And it seemed that everybody trusted that, okay, I know you got this guy, I got this guy. And now, like, even, uh, you know, the goal you were talking about, I guess it was JT Miller, the first one, mm-hmm. where uh, you had numbers. You had four guys all around them, but uh, nobody's tying a stick up. And, you know, again, to, to go back to the stats, and the, the first 13 wins they had, nine of the 13, they scored three goals or less. And since then, the last 22 wins, they've had two games where they've scored three goals and won. You know, so that to me, it's the overall style. Uh, they've just started to open everything up, and, and there's a bigger gap between forwards and defense. And, um, you know, there, there were a lot of boring games during that, that stretch, 15-2. and two, But it was like we play patient, we look after our own end. And when the time comes, the power play will come through, or Austin Matthews will come through. And and that was their their formula. And mm-hmm. I remember being uh, being on with you guys talking about how it was probably the best I'd seen them play as a team in years. I mean, we're talking fifteen twenty years, and and you know somehow they've gotten away from that. We're talking to Jim Ralph, Maple Leaf Radio Analyst for Sportsnet five ninety, the Fan. Uh, Ralphie, just prior to you coming on, uh, Justin and I had a conversation that really kind of maybe. Kyle Dubas started with his disappointment uh, in in the way they uh, the team finished against uh, Buffalo and kind of faded off to the sunset. To does this team need a few players to grab a few callers in the dressing room and just start rattling uh, each other? Uh, we had a conversation about Tavares, and Tavares isn't that guy, and maybe uh, will never be that guy. And does Matthews or Marner or Riley? develop into that eventually is one even needed anymore in 2022 because certainly when you think about disappointing finishes like buffalo i think it is still needed yeah i I mean that's one angle the other side is skip uh wouldn't you rather than grab somebody from the opposition and grab them by the shoulders and hammer them into the glass i mean they're 
uh, that, that's the other part of it. They're not a physical team. So, uh, and I'm sure you've, you've played with guys that, uh, you know, even if they were quiet in the dressing room, they let on the ice. And that's why, you know, Wendell Clark is, is such a god still here in Toronto, where Wendell wasn't a vocal guy in the dressing room. But, boy, you know, he was he could be pretty loud on the ice even when he wasn't scoring. So, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know if there is that guy. Um, I, I think, you know, Jason Spezza, to an extent, can be that guy. But if you got to rely on a fourth-line guy to, to have that role, um, you know, sometimes it's not heard quite the same way. <sighs> Do you, do you go out and get a guy like that now, or do you still hope? I don't know if you trade for that, though, Kip. That, that's a tough one to to try to go through, because now now you're talking character. And, uh, you, you know, I remember Gretzky talking about how tough it was going to St. Louis at the trade deadline from L.A., and they made him captain, and it was like, you know, this isn't my team yet. Right. You know, and, and there was sort of that, that awkward expectation that he was automatically the leader. Yeah, that's an awkward spot to come into a new dressing room and be and they're like, all right, be the guy who grabs people by the scruff. And it's like, I don't even know anyone. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it would be a tough spot for them for sure. Um, so then we're looking at a team that's probably going to try to, you, I think that believes that the way they've played in past seasons has been, would be successful, but has been unlucky. Like Tavares gets hurt last year. I think Kyle Dubas looked at that team in that series and said that was a good enough team to win in the postseason, and we got unlucky. Do you believe that if they go ahead, you know, Dubas has doubled down in this group, that if the luck falls their way, it's they have the potential to to make hay? Well, I mean, I mean, I, I think the tough thing, Borny, is when well, when you look at you know this core group, uh, you know, you start with Washington. I think they were twenty eight points behind Washington. And uh, and took them to six games. Five went to overtime. And back to back years against Boston, they were seven points back of Boston both years in the regular season, and took them to seven. And and we know the history there. And then they were even in points with Columbus, and they lose in five games. And now they're what eighteen up on Montreal. So that, the trend has actually been they've had easier opponents, right? And the same results. You know, when you think they should be gaining all this experience, and uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, Boston's only two points back. So, you know, as much Ooh. as you you talk about finishing, you know, top of your division, uh, you may find yourself, if you don't get Tampa or Florida, you get Carolina, <laughs> you know, in the first round. So to talk about bad luck and everything, I mean, you're back to facing uh, teams in the first round that are, are contenders for, for winning the Stanley Cup. And yeah. not, not, I mean, Montreal went to the finals, but I think that was, you know, a, a team that was able to get on a run. Yeah, this is true, but... We're also looking at some other teams that also have some warts. And I, I look at Florida right now, and no question they've had a good season. Like the Toronto Maple Leafs have had a good regular season. Great. But though, though, there's some questions there. Do you oh, trust absolutely. Bobrovsky, uh, Spencer Knight, too young, and their defense isn't what it should be still? And I'm going, as as flawed as the Leafs are right now, I might pick the Leafs over Florida in a first round. You wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, I would. Would you? Well, yeah. Well, they, well, every game will be 10-7. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but, you know, that, that, I, I will say, though, Florida, though, Kip does play with a little more of an edge. Well, there, there know, won't be anything left of them the after the first round. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can't defend. Florida also cannot defend. And that would play into a... Hey, we'll outscore our mistakes. That would actually play into the Leafs. Agreed. Yeah. Well, what about uh, how would a game seven against Carolina seem for storylines? You got a Freddie Anderson uh, in Carolina's net game seven. Who? Yeah, I know. Wonder if uh, poor Jake Gardner will be healthy enough to get back. <laughs> <laughs> All the storylines. What, what did you think of uh, Nick Robertson's? Uh, he scored his first regular season goal. Played in the second line. What'd you make of his performance? Yeah, no, I thought he was good. Um, you know, I think even they, they tried it against Buffalo, but they had uh, so many penalties and the game got out of hand. It, uh, it obviously wasn't noticeable, but I think he was still only around 11 minutes of ice time and the two games being elevated to uh, the second line. Although Sheldon, he said he was very aware of his minutes and they didn't want him to get up, you know, too high. Uh, but I liked it. I mean, I think if if you're, you're going to load up an offense on, on two lines, 
uh, with all due respect to Alex Kerfoot, um, he's probably a little more lethal with a shot than uh, than Kerfoot is. So I liked it. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it for a few more games and see if he can uh, be nice if he could even do half of what his brother's done in Dallas. Sheldon Keefe has described it as the evolution of this opportunity. <laughs> That's an <laughs> like interesting choice of line. words here. Let, let me Google that. Yep. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Does that mean that it's not really whether or not he's earned it or not? We're just going to do it anyways. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the, the poor kid with the, the injuries and everything else that he's had, um, you know, I, I guess the other side is you've, you've got to find out at some point um, whether he can play. And I think if he's going to play, he's got to be a top six guy. So this this might be the... What, what, what did you call it again? Kip? The, the evolution, evolution of, of the opportunity. Yes. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, he got an opportunity, but it evolved into this. So while we're talking about uh, new guys on the uh, on the squad, what have you made of the Russian bear, Labushkin? We were saying pre- we're pretty comfortable with him as a third-pair guy, and hopefully that's where it stays. I love the guy. I mean, you yeah. know, his first game was in Columbus, and he – you know, he got caught on the two-on-one, and and Line A had the puck, and and he took he took the pass, which I liked. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was Line A, who was the hottest shooter in the league, had it, uh, and then he had the ones get past him. But since then, and Joe and I have talked about it. What you love about him, you hardly notice him. He doesn't give the puck away. You know, he doesn't get caught. Um, he's just one of those guys that, that to me, similar in the same way you appreciated Zach Bogosian was that he just goes out and does his job. He doesn't try to sort of go beyond, you know, the, I'm on an offensive team, so i got to start jumping up into the play, and i got to start making those 45-foot cross-ice passes out of our zone. Uh, I, I really liked him as a guy that's um, kept it very simple. And, you know, like we said, how often do you say after a game, what did you notice about him? You know, that, that you didn't notice him, it's... which for a defenseman, uh, to me, is can be the ultimate compliment. He does take, nothing. It's perfect. Take four of them right now. <laughs> yeah. I I mentioned to Justin that f- for the Leafs, maybe having a mentality that uh, try to try to win a two one game or have that mentality that you won't won't take chances and and try to insulate your goaltender best you can while they battle this thing is is that possible? Can you go to a Matthews now who's hunting down 50 goals and a new record in franchise history to sh- show players that uh we're going to be defensive minded first or do you exclude him and make the rest of the team do it? Yeah, but you see Kip, I I think he's one of the guys that has done it consistently. You know, the number of times his scoring opportunities start from his takeaway in his own end you know, and, and then starts it back up ice the other way. So, um, you know, and I find I find Marner and Bunting very close to that as well. So it's, um, you, you almost want to say, do what they do. And I, I think, you know, that's a big part of why, you know, the offense has been there is because, uh, you know, so many times it's a takeaway in, in their own end that launches the odd man rush and eventually a goal at the other end. So that, uh, to me, the example would be more like them rather than, you know, have guys blow out of the zone 60 feet ahead of the puck and, and uh, stand at the blue line and wait for the pass and then uh, go back to the face-off after the icing, you know, mm-hmm. which we've seen quite a bit of. Rafi, the, uh, the Leafs' power play had been cold when seven games without a goal before uh, scoring a, on a three-on-one on a power play last game. Not really sure how that happens, but it did. Um, y- your thoughts on this team? You know, last season it dried up in the second half of the year. I think they were... 13% down the stretch, and then we're no good in the postseason. What are your thoughts on the stagnation of the Leafs' power play? Well, one thing is I don't get a lot of practice in the games. You no, know, that's the, true. Uh, I think they were, what, they're, they're averaging less than two a game in the last, what, uh, I think, nine, ten games. Uh, they haven't had much. And then, and I mean, going back to analytics, Morty, would it not make sense that if you're a puck possession team, just the lob averages, you would draw more penalties? I think Colorado has, has drawn the most, which makes sense. But it, uh, you know, Vancouver's second in the league in drawing penalties, and you're going, you're going really? Yeah. But it, uh, yeah, that's the one thing I find. I find if they get three or four in a game, you know, obviously odds are they're they're going to bang one or two in. Yeah. But when it's zero to one or or two, um, 
you know, it's it's anybody's guess. So to me, it's just that you, know, you could draw you know comparisons to other parts of the game why they're not drawing penalties, but um, that that's what I find. But sometimes a, a power play goes cold. You start looking at the game by game logs, and it's over two, over one, over two, and there's you know there's not really a lot of momentum for that. Columbus's first comments in a team meeting would be you. You, you take penalties, you're going to lose this game. I mean, that's that's got to be the first focus on the Toronto Maple Leafs. If if you can get them off a of power play and focus on five on five, that's where they're exposed. Yeah, well, and I'll give you the, the second thing: get pucks to the net and traffic in front. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I had one coach that all I heard for three years was that. Oh, and the other one was get pucks deep, third man high. You know, so we were always really well prepared. <laughs> simple game well Ralphie uh, we'll, we'll see how this thing plays out uh, back to Mrazic and you assume that this uh, carousel of goaltenders would uh, continue until someone steps up yeah but like I said I mean I, I know I said it off the top but um, and, and I was I was one that was sort of critical that they always came out Babs always came out and said Freddie's our guy in other words, there's there's no competition and goal. But I almost think with, with Jack Campbell's mentality, somebody got to pull him in and say, hey, you know what, you're the guy. You know what, we're going to go with you. Um, you know, here's here's how we tend to map out what the goal hunting is. And you hope, you know, within a couple of weeks, he gets back to what we've seen. Absolutely. The, um, the, the one test I am looking forward to... Uh, to following along with is, can Timothy Lilligren find a way to... Uh, to play everyone into, sorry, to play into the good graces of uh, the fans. I've been hard on him here. Do you think Lilligren can uh, can take a step here and be solid for this team? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody questions, you know, his his offensive mentality. But you know, like you said, the the first goal against Vancouver, it's it's you know the the stick on stick in front of the net and and being a little more physical, which you know may may, may never be part of his game. Mm-hmm. You know, there are defensemen that have been, made pretty good livings of not being overly physical, but uh, there's still at least, I think, got to be the mentality of being in the proper position. And, you know, Nick Lidstrom, even late in his career, he was so smart. Uh, he never seemed to lose one-on-one battles. The stick was always in the right place. He made, you know, simpler plays to get out of it. And, and you hope Willigrin can can grow into that. But but I'm with you. It's, it's sort of a lot of, uh, you know, one-on-one battles that get lost. Ralphie, have a great call tonight. We really appreciate your time. I wasn't doing anything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ralphie. Thanks. Ralphie, are you Thanks, are, are you a better uh, commentator when when you know no one's ready to take your job? Is that what uh, we got out of today's? <laughs> No, I'm a backup in our broadcaster. We know that. <laughs> I'm many, lucky if I get the shots on goal in twice a period. <laughs> 25 years of backing up, eh? It's <laughs> yeah. been a hell of a run. I'm ready, Kip. I've never felt better. Jim Ralph, everybody. Thanks, bud. Interesting. He's talking about the mindset of yeah. having someone over your shoulder. Yeah, that that that's a the real takeaway from that interview for me is it's a great observation that not everyone is comfortable being in that toe-to-toe battle. Some people just are more comfortable when they're the guy. God, I would think So this actually I, I would think from your minor hockey to your junior hockey to maybe a a long stretch in the American Hockey League which Jack Campbell had, there would be that part of your game on how to deal with your backup mm-hmm. or your starter, depending on what side you're on, would have to be an almost automatic. But I, I guess it's not if if you don't know the person very well or you don't trust them. You have There has to be a, a, a real good bond. Yeah. I've been lucky because uh, for the most part, I've, I've always gotten well along well with the goaltenders mm-hmm. and I always, always saw a good dynamic. And you can... You can you can see what's sincere and what is fake, right? When it comes to people in the dressing room, what they say, how they say it, what they say in the media, what they say behind the scenes, what they say to you at dinner, what they say to you on the bus, you can you can see a lot of phoniness. Yeah, and you can, for the goaltenders, there has to be a level of trust. Yeah, 
that you honestly cheer for each other, but you don't really because there's only ah. one net. Now, I don't know if you honestly cheer for each other when, yeah, when you're trying to sign a $5 million per year contract and being out of the net doesn't help that case. You know, I, off the air, I mentioned to you, like, I had got a DM. Someone was like, would they trade Arizona, you know, Mrazic to Arizona for Scott Wedgwood? So you just have a backup, just a generic backup. If you save money, money on the salary cap, you'd have to attach a pick to Mrazic, to which you responded, what pick? <laughs> you know, are you out of your mind? You can't trade a second or a third or anyone else. But the point is, would it free up Mar- uh, Campbell a little bit as well? So now you have some more cap space, but, and you have a guy who doesn't feel someone breathing down his neck, and you if, get the best out of him. But if it doesn't free him up, you've right. just left yourself exposed that much more yeah. to a goalie a, that's even less than what Mrazic can offer you. Yeah, but if Campbell goes in the first couple games of the postseason and sucks, they're dead to rights anyway, right? They go, they no, go to Boston, no, they're that's down 2 nothing. That's when, I'm sorry, that $4 million a year is supposed to uh, back you up a little bit. So they go in there, he's bad. I think you're giving Campbell at least two games in the postseason, no matter how he plays. If he's bad in both, you go Mraz at game three, I guess it's possible. Possibly he could salvage things for them. Okay, we're going to stay on the goaltending conversation because uh, I got a bit of a, a pet peeve watching this weekend. Okay. And that's goaltenders knocking the net off. And I've got the solution. Okay. That. Let's have it. Plus Yarmo Kekalainen, general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. When we return to Real Kipper and Bourne after the break.